You're listening to the Sex Life Unleashed podcast, the show that combines personal development strategies and practical advice to unleash your sex life. I'm Dr. Stephen DeWitt, and with over a decade of experience as a sexologist, I've helped hundreds of women create the best sex of their lives, and I want to do the same for you. If you want to turn obstacles into opportunities, and hopefully into some amazing orgasms, you're in the right place, because the best sex of your life is still to come. This is the episode that a lot of people have been waiting for, have been asking for. I know, it's an episode that's near and dear to my heart. This is Kink 101. And in this week's episode, I'm going to demystify kink. And we're going to come from a place of encouraging you to embrace and explore what sex can be for you and how it can serve you. I'm going to define some terminology. What is kink? What's BDSM? What's a fetish? And what's the difference between all of them? I'm going to go over some common misconceptions about kink and people who are practitioners of the erotic arts And we're going to talk about Fifty Shades of Grey phenomenon. It was the first time that I hosted an event. It was a sold-out event for 200 women, and that was a a while ago. And of course, I have a downloadable giveaway for you to deepen your awareness and be able to embrace fully who you are. So let's jump in and enjoy. One of the things that I believe is so vital and so important is the freedom to explore and to evolve sexually. And so many of us have our blinders on and think sex has to be a particular way our entire lives. But the reality is we are evolving creatures sexually. Think about the sex that you had 10 years ago. Definitely not the sex that I'm having right now or the sex that I'm going to have in 10 years from now. Having some freedom to be able to explore and expand who we are sexually can be so empowering, number one, personally, but also to develop those amazing connections or deepen the already existing connections that we have with a partner. That's where I wanted to start. Now, making a leap into the world of kink, and I promise I'm going to bridge those two together and why that's so important. Often when people think about kink, There's these images that are conjured up that they've uh, heard in the media or movies or books. We're going to talk about Fifty Shades of Grey, I promise you. And it can be kind of scary and it can be kind of worrisome. Be like, oh, I don't want to be tied up and suspended and with a ball gag and a riding crop used on me. Or maybe you do. And that's okay because this is a very open and accepting and sex positive place. But it doesn't have to look like that. I want to share with you today some ways that you can start beginning to think about kink and how you express yourselves and how you connect with a partner in your life. So let's talk about what is kink. I believe kink is something that is new and that is exciting, period, full stop. The concept of kink is so personal and so subjective. It's going to be different from one person to the next person to the next person. I joke and talk about three people walking into a bar and there's a topic that comes up. Let's say it's spanking. And one person is going to be like, wow, that is super hot. And I do it all the time. And it's just like my average sex that I do. The other person is going to be like, oh my God, that is so kinky. Like I only do that when I'm on vacation or it's my birthday or something. And another person is going to say, oh my goodness, that is perverted. I don't like that. That's wrong. And then another topic 
comes up like um, using a ball gag. And the same person that said spanking was perverted is going to be like, oh, yeah, I do that all the time. No problem. The person that said it was kinky is going to be like, oh, my God, that is way too much. That's perverted. They're going to judge that. And then the person who does spanking all the time, they're going to be like, no, that's not really my thing, but I want to try exploring that. So for each and every one of us, we have a different view and a different opinion of what works for us sexually. Kink is something that's just new. Let's take a moment right now. Think about something that's outside of your comfort zone right now. For example, maybe uh, someone blindfolding you. So we're talking about what we call sensory deprivation. That hypothetically is outside of your comfort zone. Okay, cool. And then you get to a place in your life where... That is something that you're comfortable or you're getting comfortable with. And at first it's kinky, it's hot, it's exciting, it turns you on. And then you do it a lot because you like it so much. And in a year, that's just part of your natural sexual expression and your sexual repertoire. It's no longer kinky. And so thinking about kink as just something that's new for you and unique to you, it doesn't have to be how anybody else thinks about sex or what turns anybody else on. But just for you, it's something that's new that causes excitement for you and be able to have some fun with that and enjoy that. BDSM, what is it? B stands for bondage. D stands for discipline. So bondage is you're tying someone up, you're restraining them. There's some form, it could be ropes, it could be chains, it could be honor bondage, just telling someone that they have to stay in a particular position or with their hands up or hands behind them for a period of time. Discipline is discipline. We are familiar with that as maybe when we were growing up, we got spanked or in school, we got detentions. And then the D also stands for dominance and the S stands for submission. That's power exchange. And we're going to talk about consensual power exchange because Consent is key and is mandatory and necessary in all sorts and every kink and every sexual experience for that matter. Then there's the S and the M, which is sado and then masochism. Sado is uh, referring to sadist. So that's somebody who gets pleasure from uh, inflicting pain. And then there's M, which is the masochist and someone who receives pleasure Uh, from receiving pain. This is just kink 101 into what those things are, but consent is mandatory for all of this. Another question that I get is from people being like, Stephen, I want to try this, but I feel bad about this. I don't know how to do this. I don't know. I don't think I'm the type of person who should be doing this stuff. Kink and exploring is for everybody. It doesn't have to be limited to a particular type of person. Early on, I was at the hassle-free clinic And I was a young sexologist and thought I could figure out who people were or how they expressed themselves or if they were kinkier and if they weren't. And I was so wrong. One of the kinkiest couples that I met was when I was in San Francisco, I was doing my doctorate. And this wonderful couple came in and lectured about kink and they lived the kink lifestyle 24 seven. And I was so fascinated with these people because Again, early on in my career, I just think that they're going to walk in with like leather harnesses and chains and whips and all sorts of apparatus, 
you know, hanging off their belt. That wasn't it. And I met up with them later for dinner just to talk to them. And they were the loveliest couple. They looked like my older aunt and uncle. If you walked by, they were just so lovely. And what I really got in my learning of kink was what is actually necessary to have a wonderful, healthy power exchange relationship and the depth of communication, the depth of trust, the depth of safety, the depth of respect that is necessary for that. And my mind was blown. So it's for everyone and you can never judge who is into what and how they like to connect with a partner or what turns them on. And quite frankly, that's fine because listen, 99.99999% of people that we're going to interact with in the world, we're not going to have sex with. So who cares what people do or how they get turned on or how kinky they are. Another term that comes up often is what's the difference or question that comes up often, excuse me, it's what's the difference between a kink and a fetish? And listen, if you go online, you're going to find all sorts of different things. The two distinctions that I have come across that I believe are accurate to distinguish the two is a fetish is something that is required to be turned on. Where a kink is something that you explore by choice, but it doesn't have to be this thing. So one of the most common things that are out there is like a foot fetish. So for that person to actually become aroused and turned on, they need to interact with their partner's feet. Like it's a necessary uh, step for them to get into that sexual headspace for them to be turned on. Where kink isn't. Kink can be part of your sexual expression sometimes, all the time, never. It's not required for you to be turned on. And the other uh, factor within a fetish that I've seen is more often than not, a fetish is something that just occurs for that person. It's not something that they choose. It's just, wow, this is this thing and boom, it hits them. This turns me on. This is what is required for me to be turned on. It's again, could be feed. It could be a leather fetish, anything that's out there. And usually fetishes are, are around things that are traditionally non-sexual. It could be an object. It could be uh, a smell. It could be so many interesting things that uh, can be fetishes. So that's the distinction between a fetish and kink. One of the other misconceptions about kink is that people who are want to explore, are curious, or express themselves out, there's something inherently wrong or damaged with people if they're into it. And that couldn't be farther from the truth. Over the last decade, I've talked to thousands of people about their sex lives and how they express, get down, get kinky, have fun with their partners. And it's one of the most beautiful things in my world because I get a window into people's lives and have them feel good about themselves because there is so much shame and guilt and fear around people's judgment because of our sexuality and how we like to have sex. But there is nothing wrong inherently with people who are kinky or who practice BDSM or people who have fetishes for that matter. It, it is like uh, saying the same thing of people who like baseball, that there is something inherently wrong with those people. And why I say baseball, nothing against people who enjoy baseball, but if you take a large swath of humanity and people who like baseball, there is going to be a subset of those people who are unbalanced, 
people who aren't good to their partners, aren't kind, who don't communicate well, who lack respect, who lack all of these different things. And that's the same thing within the kink community, people who like expressing and exploring that world. There are going to be people who aren't good practitioners. There aren't going to be people who operate from a place of care and consideration and generosity with their lovers. But there's nothing inherently wrong with people who are into that. I think everybody is kinky. I once had a woman tell me that. Um, and again, this was when I was much younger. I was in my 20s and I was at that time exploring kink for the first time in my life. And I said, I, I can't remember exactly my words, but something along, was along the lines of, I'm kinky. And she just turned to me, looked me dead in the eye and said, Stephen, everyone's got a little bit of freak in them. And it just hit me. I was like, oh, yeah, okay. I, I can, I get it. I get it. But again, there is so much of that judgment and it could be even ourselves judging. Think about that. How often do you judge yourself about sex, about what you like, about what turns you on? That self stigma can be so damaging. And that's one of the reasons why I'm starting this podcast is so we can talk about what's really there and have you unleashed and fully self-expressed out in the world and in the world of sex. Everybody is a little bit freaky. What I believe can be such a great and powerful access is to be able to create an environment with your partner where they feel comfortable in sharing and expressing that freaky side. One of the things that sticks in my mind is the 50 shades of gray phenomenon. When that hit, oh God, now, I don't even know, a decade ago. And that was such a... An amazing experience for me as a sexologist. Now, I'll say a couple things. I've read the books. I've seen the movies. The books and the movies are written to entertain, to excite, to titillate. They are not accurate and or healthy representations of a BDSM, kink, consensual power exchange relationship. So read them. Enjoy them. They're fun. They're exciting. Just like I watch, I don't know, The Fast and the Furious. I don't watch that to learn how to drive. I watch that because it's entertaining, because it's fun, it's shocking. There's cool stuff happening or whatever movie that you watch or books that you read, it's fantasy, it's fiction. It is not something to study and to be like, oh, this is how kink is and this is what I'm supposed to do inside of a kink relationship. No, that is not accurate. That is not the way healthy power exchange relationships work. But what the Fifty Shades of Grey phenomenon did was open up a conversation and specifically open up a conversation for women to talk about sex, talk about their desires, talk about what they want to explore. And that was amazing. Sales boomed for all sorts of impact play, sensation play, whips, paddles, floggers, rope blindfolds, ball gags, those sales went through the roof. I had some colleagues who would sell these and they were sold out. It was a phenomenon. But what was so powerful was women actually having a voice. You know, if you imagine a Midwestern town and a woman would wake up in the morning, start coffee, have her kids' lunches made, 
make breakfast for her kids and her husband and go out every morning at eight o'clock and pick up the newspaper. And her neighbor would come out and they'd both look at each other and they'd both wave and say, hey, how are you? Good morning. Have a great day. When Fifty Shades of Grey came out, that gave women an opportunity to actually talk about sex and about kink and about their desires in a way that has never been present before. Now those women could get together and be like, hey, did you read chapter 10 where Christian Grey uses a riding crop on Anastasia's clit? Oh my goodness. It provided opportunity to have dialogue that has never been there before. And for that, I am always thankful because talking and communication is so important about all the weird, wild, wonderful things that we can do with our mouths when it comes to sex. Talking about it is so, so important. And I actually, at that time, I had just finished my doctorate and I hosted an event called 50 Shades of Sexual Wealth. It was downtown Toronto. It was a sold out event. I had 200 women in a room and it was such a fun and exciting time and event. And what I did is I spoke about kink, about how to navigate things and safe words and well-being and aftercare and triggers and all that other kind of stuff, which I am going to be sharing in another episode. But I also invited experts in the field to come. So I had two people who identified as male and female who were dominant. And I had two people who I identified as male and female who were submissive. And I had a panel discussion where the 200 female attendees could ask the people like, what is this like? Why do you do it? How do you do it? Don't, aren't you afraid of this? Like, how do you set things up? And it was just this beautiful window that was created for the audience to have real conversations about sex and have real answers from people who were practitioners and who really enjoyed this. And then another part, this was really cool, was I had one of the doms tied up one of their subs that was there and everybody was fully clothed, but using shibari. So shibari is a Japanese rope technique. It's very artistic. If you Google shibari, you'll see all sorts of really cool things. And but they were mic. They had those Madonna mics on from their ear to their mouths. And they were, would speak about the experience. So the submissive was female and the dom was male. And they could talk about what they're doing, what they're feeling, how they're feeling. And also was a beautiful example of communication throughout the entire experience for both of them. It was so much fun doing that. I, I loved um, that it was a, a huge success for me and was really the thing that I created for myself because I just <laughs> I just finished my doctorate and I was like, all right, well, I'm Dr. Stephen DeWitt now. My phone is going to ring and everyone's going to want to work with me and there's going to be media that reaches out to me. And then that definitely wasn't the case. And I created this event for myself to put myself on the map so people could know who I am and uh, a little bit about me as a professional. A few things that are really important to talk about when we're st starting to think about kink and exploring kink is consent. Consent is always, always there. And not only there, it's ongoing, it's uncoerced, it's enthusiastic, it's clear, 
and there's boundaries that are outlined. So when you're talking about kink or wanting to explore kink, it's like having that clear outline and understanding before you go in. It's kind of like paint by numbers. You have the outline and then you fill in the, the paint within the outline because you can play with that. What different colors, what different um, textures you're going to use inside of that. But the outline is there. And consent is given in a uh, kink situation. There's someone who has more power and someone who has less power. The person who has less power gives and shares their power with the person who has more power. And that power can always be taken away by um, that person. So again, it's a shared, it's a given thing, not something that is taken. So consent is always, always necessary. And in another episode, I'm going to talk about how to create consent. What are the conversations? What are the questions to have as well? I hope that this has given you lots to think about. And I have a gift for you. One of the most powerful tools that I have is something called a sex menu. Yes, you heard me right, a sex menu. Just like you'd go to a restaurant and ask for a menu and then go through your menu and be like, I'd like this, this, this. It is the same thing with a sex menu. So you click below, there'll be a link to that sex menu. You can just grab it. It's free. It's my gift to you. And it has 130 things listed on the left-hand side. When I say things, it's ways that you can sexually connect with a partner. Then the next column is your openness to explore and try this. And it's a scale of zero, which is heck no, to a five, which is yes, I wanted that yesterday. Then it is if you are wanting to give, receive, or both. So you can write G, R, or B. And then there's notes and nuances. So that's where you're going to write, hey, this is cool, but only for special occasions or only when I have long hair or short hair or whatever that is, you can write your notes and nuances there. This is something to build your sexual self-awareness and understanding what works for you. Because once you understand yourself and can come to peace with who you are and what you like, the more confident that you can be in the bedroom and ask for what you want and have that communication. If you have a partner, you can also send this sex menu to them get them to complete it. And then you can get together and you could either swap and go through their sex menu when they go through your sex menu, or you can go down item by item and find out what they like. This is such a beautiful, powerful tool to be able to build connection and have conversations. How do we have really healthy conversations with our partner or partners about the type of sex that we want? Now, a couple of things about the sex menu. This is not a competition. So it's not like who has the highest score. Like if you have five all down, you win. It's not about that. It's about understanding where you are right now. Just because you have a different score than your partner doesn't mean you're better or you're worse. I have people do this in some of my courses. They do it every six months to see how they change, see how they evolve. It's a beautiful thing. This is just for you. Also with the sex menu, there may be things on there that you're like, oh yeah, Stephen, I totally do that. I did that last night. And there may be things on there that you're like, what is that? I got to Google that. And there's going to be things that are like, hells no, I don't want anything to do with that. That is fine. Again, this is a judgment-free zone. It's about you building your sexual self-awareness. The sex menu lets you know the things that make you go, yes, 
the things that make you go hmm and the things that make you go home. So click on the link below, grab yourself a copy of the sex menu. And that's it for this week. I hope you're walking away with something that you can use in your life and have some freedom to explore and not be so hung up or tied up in what things are labeled or how people judge them. It's really whatever works for you and I want to encourage you to continue evolving and exploring sexually. That's really one of the cornerstones of having a really fulfilling sex life. And if you liked this week's episode, please leave a review and come back and join me next Thursday. As always, I have a doozy lined up for you. I'm really excited about, I'm excited about all of them, but specifically next week. And remember, the more we understand about ourselves and each other, the less we have to fear and the more love is here. Here's to happy days and living a sex life unleashed.